0: all right well let's open up our bibles together to the book of acts acts chapter 13 you can uh, open up god's word either on your phone your ipad or the words will be on the screen behind me as we walk through this text together i've entitled our message this morning um, reach the city can we say that together reach the city one more time loud and proud reach the city we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture i'm going to try and jump in as fast as I can here as we continue our journey through the book of Acts together. Um, If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Rob Wilton. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and I wanna welcome you, especially if you're a first-time guest with us. Can we thank God for our first-time guests in the house? Um, Thank you so much. We had a great Easter last week, and uh, there's always a little bit of an Easter hangover uh, after uh, Easter, especially for pastors and ministers. And um, I don't know about y'all, but our worship team brought it this morning, even though I told Josiah we didn't have to do a full band and he could dial it back and chill a little bit. But man, he brought it, right? Can we thank God for our team, for Phoebe, Phoebe, and for the Richmonds and uh, for our entire arts team, I'm just so thankful. Um, I did get a gift uh, before we jump into the word. Uh, I got a little depressed at the beginning of the week. I knew this was my birthday uh, week coming up. And um, I'm in the car with our family, and I'm just like, hey kids, what do y'all think about your daddy turning 43 this week? And my daughter, she like keeps in touch with everybody's birthdays and she's on top of it. And she's been planning her presents for me, which she said she's going to present after church today because she knew daddy had to work this morning. And, uh, and she was like, daddy, you're not turning 43. You're turning 42. I got some grace this week. I got a whole extra year. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was depressed about the fact that I was turning 43. But by God's grace, I got another year. Miraculously, and I feel younger, you know. And so, thank you for the birthday love. I want you to know if, if those of you are parents, uh, Sarah Weaver, who's one of our faithful volunteers, it's her birthday today too. So make sure you hug her and say happy birthday to her as well. Hey, so this year, every year, we kind of pick a theme and we, we focus on a, a vision, a theme for our church. And our theme for our church this year has been hashtag for our city. And uh, for the first three months of the year, we locked in on this focus that in order for us to be for our city, we need to focus on for our lives. And so if y'all remember, uh, we taught on some important things. We had some special equip nights, and uh, we really challenged ourselves. Before God wants to do something through you, he needs to do something in you. And so we talked about that. As we kind of have now shifted into Easter, into this next, Um, season. There's going to be four different seasons within our For Our City focus. We're locking in on For Our Community. For Our Community. Last week, we relaunched our V Groups. Let's give it up for our V Groups. Uh, We have groups meeting in homes all over our community together. I think we have about eight groups, and so please, if you're here as a first-time guest, take a next step with us, and uh, we love that you would sit in rows, but we want you to sit in circles, okay, and uh, we want you to uh, get family around you that love you, support you, and I'm just telling you, Josh is my V Group leader, I'm already 0 for 1 in terms of attendance, okay, Uh, me and a bunch of pastors every Easter, the day right after Easter, this is our tradition, it's kind of like if you're a tax accountant in the room, after taxes, you have to plan a vacation After Easter, I go fly fishing. And so I missed our first V group. And so uh, this is not about perfect attendance. It's about connecting with a leader. And I depend upon Josh to check in on me. Um, I hope I can check in on him, love him, and we can be friends together and journey through life together. You see what I'm saying? And so join one of our V groups, but... um, As we started V Groups, yes, we wanted to have circles where we would care for each other, but we also wanted to scatter our church and position our church, not just to be in one location, but to be in multiple locations or, let me say this, multiple communities so that we can shine the light of Christ in all the different ways that we would, being just a good neighbor, cooking a meal for some friends. Getting to know people, hanging out yesterday. Me and Annabeth got scorched in the sun watching Bolt play lacrosse, and sitting with all you know Bolt's uh, teammates, parents, and just getting to know people. They're doing life, coworkers, and all that. And so our for our city push right now is locked in on for our community. At the end of our gathering, one of our many V groups is a group called Hope Recovery. And uh, we're going to celebrate, pray for, and uh, talk a little bit about how we can continue to partner together with this amazing ministry. Um, but, you know, the city is important. And, and cities are important. I've had the privilege, I planted a church out of my living room in the city of New Orleans in 2007. I led that church for over a decade, and then God called me to the foreign country of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, And so it was awesome, you know, getting my passport stamped and coming up here north. And uh, God called us up here five years ago to plant a church in another city. I love cities. I was born and raised in a city, grew up in a city. Here we are in Pittsburgh, and there's so many things that are amazing about cities. Um, This is an overgeneralization, but I I want us to think about this because I truly believe this. This is what we're going to learn about the Apostle Paul. It doesn't mean that the Apostle Paul doesn't love fly fishing and the rural life and all this other kind of stuff. But strategically, what the Apostle Paul does is he goes from city to city and he proclaims Jesus. And, and I just believe this with all my heart. How are we going to change the world? we got to reach the city because the city is the hub of influence and industry and impact, and it's the greatest place, typically, in density of population, where tons of people are. And and when you reach a city, you impact the world. How do you reach the city? You reach people. It's kind of like what we believe. The city is not just the name Pittsburgh, it's the people of Pittsburgh, right? It's not just the place, it's the people that inhabit that place. That's what we believe about the church. We don't believe the church is a building or 501c3 with the state of Pennsylvania. No, we believe actually vintage church. We are fine if this building were to burn to the ground. Because the church is not a building or a place, it's people. So when considering people, can I share a couple of thoughts as I've planted churches in two different cities, in New Orleans and in Pittsburgh. And this is an overgeneralization and there's many other different types of people in every city. But I want you to know, why do people live in a city? This is what I've come to find out living in two very strategic cities, two different cities. I don't know if y'all know that or not. The only thing that's common about Pittsburgh and New Orleans is both cities have their own language. That's nowhere else in the world. Y'all do understand, you're the only ones in the world that say Carnegie. So are y'all wrong or is the world right? Because the rest of the world says Carnegie, right? I come here and I got corrected right away. No, it's Carnegie. I'm like, what? That's New Orleans too. We say things down there that nobody else says and that's what we love about our city, okay? But here's some things. Number one, I've found this. People are on spiritual pursuit. In Pittsburgh and in New Orleans, I've found people on spiritual pursuit. They they don't always understand it, nor do they recognize it, nor do they, um, you know, uh, are aware of it. Like, but they are on a spiritual pursuit. There is this belief in some level, and I'm telling you, you might be here today, and you're like, man, I'm full fledged agnostic. I just believe there is no other greater power, greater existence, or greater design, or greater being. I still believe at some level, even the most agnostic that I've ever met are in some form of a spiritual, a uh, pursuit that's beyond, what does this mean, spiritual? Beyond flesh and blood. That there's something else happening, Right? Uh, number two, I found this in cities that uh, people are in need of practical need. In in both cities, New Orleans and in Pittsburgh, there are needs because of such diversity. Because there is so much different. Um, uh, backgrounds and ethnicities and incomes and neighborhoods. I mean, Pittsburgh's filled with all different types of people, groups, and backgrounds. You find a variety of needs, socioeconomic needs, education needs. But can we talk about mental needs Um, and spiritual needs, the basic needs of life? So we know that to be true. Number three, Abundant opportunity is in every city. Abundant opportunity. I'm looking out across the room, and I know some of you guys, um, I'm just telling you, I'm still praying. I'm 42 years old. I'm still praying whether or not I want to be a pastor my whole life, right? You're on your third career, your fourth career. Things have worked out. Things haven't worked out. You're pursuing different things. And one of the reasons why you're in a city is because there is more, there are abundant opportunities for you to, Ask God, I hope, if you're a follower of God, what are the gifts that you equip me with in my life and where do you want me to serve you, right? And so even those who aren't spiritually minded, they come to a city because they wanna maximize their career. They wanna, they wanna leverage networking and opportunities and income and success and all those things. And then lastly, major impact, There's people wanting to make major impact. There's actually, if you don't really care about making an impact, I'm not, I'm overgeneralizing, please don't, but most of those people don't wanna be around people and they wanna live in the woods. Like just me and my tractor, right? I'm telling you that's fantasy world for this pastor sometimes. I'm a weird introvert, okay? I know that sounds crazy, but if I don't have a microphone, I don't really like being in crowds unless I'm yelling at them. Okay? Like I, I kind of start breaking out, you know, and rashes and stuff when I'm stuck around people too much. I love getting on a stream, being around nobody. That the stream is my counselor. Okay? And, and so I understand that, but most people retreat or they get away because. They actually have come to a place in life where they don't want to be an influencer. They they don't want to be an impactor, right? And so people come. Hey, as Paul comes now on his second missionary journey, remember the context of what we read. Paul wrapped up one missionary journey in Acts. We've been going through this for quite some time, quite a few months, and then we took a break over Easter, Paul is on this missionary journey, and he originally, remember, wanted to go back and retrace the steps of his first missionary journey, but God appears to him and says, no, you're going to Macedonia. You're going to Europe. That's basically what he's saying, okay? You're going to Greece. You're going to Turkey. You're going to Europe. That's where you're headed. And Paul, right, his life is not his own. He wrote things like, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, He wrote things like, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives within me. I've told you my simple job description as your pastor is this. Listen to Jesus, do what he says. I trust him way more than me. So although I might have an opinion and those of you who know me, I love whiteboarding things and it's just amazing to me how many things I've whiteboarded and Jesus didn't listen to me. His ways are greater than our ways, right? Right? So my job is to listen to him, do what he says. Paul is told by God, nope, you're not going this way. You're going this way. And so let's read in the text. In Acts chapter 16, verse 11 and 12, it says, so, (laughs) I love that. Paul's just said, okay, I'm yours, Lord. This wasn't part of my five-step life plan. Which, can I just tell you, when I planted a church in the city of New Orleans in 2007, I had no idea. It was not part of my five step life plan. Oh, by the way, New Orleans to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that makes sense. Dreamed about it since I was a kid. No, God does what He does. And if y'all are honest, if you retrace the steps, God's probably done some of those things in your life too. Aren't those great God things? even the relationship you have, you know, you were praying for it, you didn't expect it, and you have no idea why that girl would fall in love with someone as ugly as you. Right? God's grace. Thank you, Lord. God's grace. So, man, I'm never gonna get done. I've read like one word. We have 40 verses, one word. All right, get going, Rob. So, setting sail for Troas, I'm about to show you this on a map. We made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. Everybody say Philippi. Philippi. Okay, have y'all heard of a book in the Bible, Philippians? All right, we're about to look at Paul's journey of planting a church in Philippi, of which he wrote a letter to the church at Philippians, right? I love it. And what does it say about Philippi? It's a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. He's off into Europe now. He's off into the hub of Roman world, Roman rule. And it says, we remained in this city some days. We remained in this city some days. Just as a note, who's with Paul? Paul is most likely with Silas. He's most likely with Timothy And the author of Acts is Luke. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and kind of a a sequel to the Gospel of Luke is the book of Acts. So you always want to kind of pair those together. It's the same author. Luke most likely joins the journey here. Now, one interesting thing I read in a commentary this week about Luke Luke most likely, okay, uh, Luke who was you know a, a physician and uh, he was brilliant, he most likely did his school around Philippi. So he's familiar with this area, all right? But we find that. Look on the screen behind me, here's a map. On this map, you'll see the second missionary journey of which we're gonna take a journey on together over the next uh, couple months together. And so over here to my right, um you'll see Antioch remember this is the sending church and this is where Paul once again comes back from the first missionary journey back home reports all that God has done and he says I want to go back to where I was God says no I'm giving you this Macedonian call okay and so if you can follow I know it's hard to see but you see Tarsus, Derbe, Iconium, Lystra, Antioch and Pisidia uh up towards Bithynia, right, the region of Asia. And then you'll start to see all the way the port city of Troas, that's what we just read. And they hop on a boat and they sail very quickly over to Neapolis, you see Neapolis there, and then Philippi, all right? And so basically this is the journey that Paul makes. Now, one of the things that I'm telling you I'm gonna do in heaven, y'all wanna hear? In heaven, I'm going to say fill in some of the blanks because we've got like a whole lot of stuff. Y'all do understand they didn't hop in their private jets and fly to this. Like these were long journeys, a lot of walking, a lot of riding horses or donkeys or whatever, a lot of sailing, and it's not speedboat sailing, okay? This is like the slowest pontoon boat you've ever been on, right? And so they are making their way slowly and y'all gotta believe because have we learned anything about Paul? Everywhere Paul goes, he tells people about Jesus. How many of y'all believe there are some people that met Jesus on that journey? So I'm just telling you where you'll find Pastor Rob. I'm gonna be in heaven on a stream fly fishing with Luke or Silas or Timothy and they're gonna be filling in some blanks for me. Tell me about some stories. Tell me about some campfire moments. Did the Apostle Paul have gas around the campfire? These were people.
1: You're like, oh, that's so unholy, Rob. So disrespectful. These were people. They had gas like you and me. That pastor said gas in church. I don't know if I should be at this church.
0: All right, so we see behind. There's a whole journey. We're going to get into more. Um, There's so much significance I wanna talk about very quickly how to reach the city because we're gonna see Paul enter into a beautiful city, a city filled with people who are on spiritual pursuit, a city filled with people who have practical need, a city filled with people who are searching for abundant opportunities, a city filled with people who want to make a major impact. When I look around the room, I see those same people. When I go to my son's lacrosse game, I see those same people. When I go and watch the Pens not make the playoffs this year, sadly, I see those same people. I wonder how we should approach these things. Now, in the book of Acts, if I can just share my personal preference. Some pastors preach Acts, and they're like, robotically, this is what we should do when we enter the city. This is a five-step formula, and ding, 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 if we follow these five steps, we'll get revival. I don't believe that's what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is not a prescriptive book. It's descriptive. So we're not going to look at Paul's stuff here and say, oh, well, we better do it exactly the way they did it or we ain't going to have success. No, they're led by someone. He's a big part of this world. He's a big part of the church. His name is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is ultimately exponentially creative. And the way in which the Holy Spirit works in and through us, when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit empowers us. How many of y'all have been believers? You don't have to raise your hand. And somehow God's equipped you to do something that you had no ability to do. That's the Holy Spirit. There's been sometimes I'm just going to be honest, in my conversations and telling people about Jesus, I have no idea what I've just said. Their questions have Blown me away. I have no clue what they're talking about, but yet somehow by God's grace, God uses me to tell them about Jesus. I walk away and I go, holy moly. I I don't know what I said. I think I quoted from the book of Habakkuk. I can't remember the last time I read the book of Habakkuk. I can barely say Habakkuk, but to God be the glory. This is what the Holy Spirit does. So can't When we study these things right now, we're not saying we want to be like Paul. There's only one Paul. We want to ask the Lord, Lord, use me. I want to reach the city. I want to make an impact. As my wife preaches this to me, y'all know she's the best preacher in the house. Every week, Rob, God doesn't want your ability this week. He wants your availability. Just be willing, be open, and watch what God will do for you beyond what you can do. Right? Um, Let's look at this. How to reach a city. Number one, pursue the prayer. Pursue the prayer. Let's read it. And I'm going to do a lot of narration here and and just walking through the story. And uh, I promise you I'll be done before 3 p.m. It says in verse 13, And on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside. So they're in Philippi. This is interesting where we we suppose there was a place of prayer. Now, do you know what this means? In Philippi, in order for there to be a synagogue, there had to be 10 men, Jewish men, followers, rabbis, whatever, that followed God in order for there to be an established synagogue. Philippi didn't have one. And so Paul's approach on his first missionary journey, what did he do? He went and preached in the synagogues. <laughs> There's no synagogue in Philippi, right? And so he's still though, as he's coming into the city, I wonder what God's already doing here. Because I want you to know something. Here, here's the truth. Y'all heard this? Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is filled with his Glory. We don't have the mission in this world of making Jesus Lord of any city. He's already Lord of every city. The whole earth is his. I don't walk into a city saying, you're so lucky to have me, Pittsburgh, I've arrived. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is on the move. And one of the things I learned very quickly coming into this city, for generations and generations and generations, God has been moving. I'm standing on their shoulders. Paul comes in the city and he's like, oh, finally these people are gonna know the Lord, right? No, he's looking around saying, no, I'm sure this Holy Spirit, I'm sure God has been working. Where's he working? And he finds out that there's a place of prayer outside the city next to a river. He goes there and it says, and we sat down, I love this. God launches his movement, his church through some powerhouse women Serving the Lord and pursuing the Lord. Now, they fully, they weren't fully aware of the Lord, but they were on spiritual pursuit. Who do they meet? It says it right there. Spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia. Lydia was from the city of Thyatira a seller of purple goods who is a worshiper of God, okay? I don't have time to break down all of this. Maybe you can talk about this a little bit, flesh this out in terms of your V group this week, but this woman was a woman of means. This woman was a woman of influence. Some would say she was a widow and she had a very large house, So much so because their household, there would be enough, one commentary said, for four men and their family to also live in her house and it not be awkward. (laughs) You all invited people to stay with you and it's a little awkward. Not enough room. This was a very large house, so she had a lot of means. And what happens with Lydia? Lydia is there worshiping God in other texts These were God-fearers or Gentiles or even Jews who had decided to pursue God and yet had not met Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can be on a spiritual pursuit for God and yet miss God? Jesus declares, I am the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so here's these people. How many of y'all know of people in this city that might not follow Jesus, but they are on a spiritual pursuit? Your mission is to do what Paul does here. Check this out. It says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Paul speaking, the Lord moving. Some are like, oh, if God would just move, God would just move, speak. Here he blesses Paul's testimony as he comes to worship and pray with these people. And it says this, and after she was baptized, why was she baptized? The Lord opened her heart. I'm here preaching, I can't save you. Mama can't save you. A church can't save you. Only the Lord saves you. The way in which we're saved is we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. The Lord triggers our heart. Remember the resurrection story last week? Their hearts were burning. Their hearts were burning. We pray for heart change, for, for burning hearts, right? The Lord changes Lydia's heart. And she's baptized. This moves in such a powerful way. Her whole household, these other family units that are living as well are baptized. And then she urges us saying, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house, isn't that great? From the prayer moment on the river, now into the homes, what we're praying for at Vintage Church, and stay. And she prevailed upon us, who are the seekers in our city. See, the mission for the church is not just, I'm going to find the people who hate God. (laughs) There's people in the city that hate God. That is a mission. But I'm telling you, God's already been working in a lot of people's lives. And your mission is to just simply, hey, you know this spiritual pursuit you're on? Can I tell you about what happened to me? I want to tell you about how Jesus changed my life. And I know he can do the same for you. All right, number two. Number two, serve the sufferer. Serve the sufferer. Verse 16 through verse 18. This is a very unique story, but let's break it down. As we were going to the place of prayer, where's the pace, place of prayer? Outside the city. So Paul's had this moment with Lydia. They've probably enjoyed a meal. They've stayed the night. They've gotten to know who knows. They're getting into the text. Paul's telling them all that God's doing around the world. And now, this is why it's important: keep coming, keep the consistency of being a part of a faith family, even when you don't feel like it. Believe it or not, I know that some of you are gonna, you know, want to leave now. But I don't always feel like being here either. I love being at home with my coffee. I want to position myself and put myself in a position where I experience God's work. And I just think there's something powerful about us coming together. And, and so here they're going to the place of prayer. They're not like, oh, Lydia got saved in her household. We're good. No, they're still leaning in, still going after God, still on mission. What happens? We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gained by fortune telling. I promise you, you get on mission for Jesus, watch how the enemy's gonna start trying to distract you from that mission. And this is a very unique attack. A poor slave girl who probably for most of her life has lived through hell, has been stripped of all rights, abused, has also in her life been taken over through demonic possession. And as we talk about, we believe as much in the physical realm, there's a spiritual realm. Do you understand that there's a spiritual battle happening right now? Moms and dads, that's why I pray over my kids every night. I pray for a covering by the blood of Jesus. When this kid was one and we planted our church years ago in our house, we had a demonic Being in our basement room when he was one and Bolt was screaming at the top of his lungs, being tormented by this demonic being that was in my house. I didn't study in seminary how to get rid of demons. I did the only thing I knew to do. I hovered over my son, who's now as big as me, and I yelled out the name of Jesus. And do you know the moment I yelled out the name of Jesus, he went back to sleep and that presence was gone you see there's a demonic realm that's trying to through the enemy seek to rob steal kill and destroy satan fallen angel named lucifer dragged with him a third of heavenly angels into the pit of hell and he has scattered out a third of those angels out to do his work Demonic possession is here and this poor slave girl has been given a gift from the demons. Check out what happens. It says she followed Paul and us crying out. These men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Anybody confused by this? Why would a demon say through a slave girl, Paul and Silas are awesome, they love Jesus, they serve actually the real God, follow them. This is the way the dangerous enemy works. He loves being a wolf in sheep clothing. There are religions in the world today who profess Christ, but it ain't our Christ And there are people within our tribe, Protestant and Catholic, who profess Christ but aren't following Christ. And that, if we can be honest, is probably one of the most dangerous ways people actually don't meet Jesus. Let me put it another way it's through religion. Jesus is only for pure religion, the right biblical religion, but man made religion, Jesus is completely against. He's for a relationship. And so the enemy through this slave girl is like, oh, yeah, if we can convince that we're on the same team together, maybe we'll have a bunch of people follow us, too, because they'll be confused. I really sympathize over a lot of people in our city, guys. I don't look at them and yell at them. I can't believe you're living like this. They've been fooled by demonic work that has told them that this is the meaning of life. So what do Paul and Silas have to do? It says, and this she kept doing for many days. So what do we learn? Patience, of which I'm a master of. I'm unbelievably patient. <laughs> Y'all know that's not true. I can't sit still. I got issues. I can't wait for anything, right? Right? but God always has great purpose. Any waiting season from the Lord is never a wasteful season. But they have patience. They don't just say, be gone. No, they're, they're facilitating it. They're, be patient, guys. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't write people off so quick. They're patient, but after a time, they have to stand firm. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed. I love that. Some of you are like, Paul, this is so perfect, St. Paul. No, he had gas around the fireplace. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out that very hour. Now, what do I love about that? Paul doesn't say, be gone, Satan. Don't ever say, be gone, Satan. Satan will whoop you. You say in the name of Jesus. You ain't got no power. Jesus has power. It's what I did over my son. In the name of Jesus, be gone, Satan. Y'all with me? So, the power of Jesus. I wonder just here's a quick question Who are the seekers in the city? Who are the hurting in the city? Oh, God, give us spiritual eyes to serve those who are hurting. All right, number three. I'm going to go really fast with this story. Love the laborer. Anybody working a job right now? We're all in a city. We're all working. So tired, man. The man's holding us down. If you are the man, which I guess that's me here, sorry, Josiah, for holding you down. The man, right? We got to work. We all have jobs. I wonder what Paul does with the normal worker. It says, but when her owners saw that their hope was of gain was gone. <laughs> Who are the owners caring about? Themselves. There's a lot of people abusing a lot of people in this world. And that's found in the city. <laughs> in my own township right now, some dudes are being called out. It says they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. Can I just state this real quick? If we saw a revival happen in the city of Pittsburgh, so much so, I'm gonna be careful here because I'm not a Steelers fan. I'm a Saints fan. But just if a move of God happened so powerfully that the churches were more filled on Sunday than whatever that dumb new name of the stadium is, Hines Field. How many of y'all want to think the church will come under a little scrutiny? But that's what would happen. Think the Rooney's would be so happy? That's what happens. Money's hit. So now they're throwing Paul and Silas in jail. And they don't just throw them in jail. Check this out. They brought them to the magistrates. They said, these men are Jews. They're disturbing our city. Not knowing that Paul was a Roman citizen. They advocate customs and they're not lawful for us to, as Romans, to accept their practice. So the crowd now joins in in attacking them. Man, I'm telling you, like, who's ready to reach a city? I'd love to. Come in and be on mission for Jesus up in Pittsburgh because, God, you've guaranteed in Scripture it's going to be perfect up there. They're going to all love me. Didn't happen with Paul. Won't happen with us. Crowd joined attacking. Magistrates tore their garments in disgust off of them, gave orders to beat them with rods. And so they did. When they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet, this worker, this jailer, in the stocks. And in this moment where they found themselves at one point worshiping King Jesus by a river, fly fishing, they're now wounded and beat up and in jail, chained in the dungeon of the jail. In verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. and I love this and the prisoners were listening to them guys they weren't showing off they were tapping in I've already told you I'm a sissy I get beat up you hear this week Pastor Rob ticked off some people with what he said they dragged them beat him, and he's in a jail. Like, I'm calling you, Kevin. That little moment up there that brought me to tears, I'm in tears, I'm in jail. I'm like, Kevin, help! Get me out of here! Please! But man, this speaks to me because I've had some hits. I've had some low moments, and in my low moments, I hate to say it, when I'm at a stream or whether I'm on a front row with you,
1: I sing things like God sent his son they called him Jesus he came to love heal and forgive he lived and died to buy my pardon an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives because He lives. I can face tomorrow because He lives. All fear is gone because I know, oh, oh, He holds the future and life is worth the living just. Because he lives. New school. I know the night won't last. Your word will come to pass. My heart will sing your praise again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I've seen you move. (laughs) You've moved
0: the mountains. And I believe, y'all have ever had one of those moments? I've seen you do it again. Can you picture Paul? They're not showing off, they're tapping in. And I love that as they're tapping in, they know the worker is watching.
1: Look at what happens. (laughs) And suddenly, it was
0: clearly, because elevation worship was around back then, when Paul was going, I seen you move, boom, earthquake happens. And suddenly there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke though, and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because it was his responsibility to keep them in the jail. He supposed that the prisoners had escaped and let's just a side note. This is a side note to show you how pathetic Pastor Rob is. Earthquake, fastened off, door open, peace. I'm out. Go. You can ask Amber, I am terrible when I'm injured or sick. I am the worst patient. I'm going straight to mama, and she's fixing me gumbo for seven straight days. (laughs) Not Paul and Silas. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and trembled with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How does he know that? Because they've been preaching Jesus, because they've been singing Jesus. Clearly, this Jesus is greater than anything that I am selling myself to and working for. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds. He was the one causing wounds, now he's washing them. The transformation power of Jesus. Any of y'all, through the power of Jesus, seen an enemy become a friend? Beautiful. Washing the wounds, baptized once. Movement not just for the jailer. Now his whole family's getting saved. Yes, we got our second B group in in Philippi says, then he brought them up to his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And so I'm just telling you this, who are the workers in the city? And can I confess to you, my heart doesn't break enough for the workers in the city. Too many times I'm robotically, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, doors are open, out the door, and I miss those who are asking, what must I do To be saved. Josiah, get up here because we're going to close this. Impact the influencer is the last story. I love this, but when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now, Paul, and go in peace. But Paul wasn't just concerned about himself. Paul wasn't laboring for his generation. How many of you would be willing to labor in this generation so that perhaps your great grandkids one day would know and love Jesus? Paul here sees a bigger play than, oh, the government's letting me go. No, Paul's saying, I've been called here to impact the influencer, and I'm not gonna let the government, I'm not gonna let these magistrates think that they run this city. Jesus is Lord of this city. And I might be leaving, but I want you to know Jesus is staying. And he has more to do, the best is yet to come. Paul said to them, they've beaten us publicly. He's standing his ground, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. Do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let all the world know why we've been thrown in and why we've been thrown in. We didn't go streaking in the strip district. That's not why we were in jail. We're in jail because we preach Jesus. It's against your emperor, because he's the great emperor. So it says the police reported these words to the magistrates. See that power? Paul could have just said, peace. No, stand my ground. Jesus is Lord. Now go tell your boss. (laughs) I just love it. They were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. And look how God's starting to work. They came and apologized to them, And they took them out and asked them to leave the city kindly. But Paul had one more stop. They went out of the prison and they visited Lydia. They loved Lydia. And they needed one more moment with their church. And when they had seen the brethren or the brothers, men and women, everyone there, the church now, maybe some of the jailer's family had come over for one more crawfish boil. It says they encouraged them and departed. Look behind me on the screen. Philippians 1, 3 through 5 says this. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What a beautiful picture of a partnership, a mission, that loved him, those who were on spiritual pursuit, those who had practical need, those who are seeking abundant opportunity
1: and major impact. To God be the glory. Joy. You can experience that joy, and
0: you today can make a commitment this week to reach the city and spread that joy to the ends of the earth. Can we stand? As we close, we're going to sing just kind of half a song. I asked for Josiah spontaneously to sing that old classic hymn, Do It Again. And as we sing it, I'm going to ask for those who are serving communion to my right and my left. If you feel led, if you're a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come and to take the bread which symbolized the body of Christ which is broken for us And when you take that bread, you break it off and you dip it into the juice which symbolized the blood of Christ that was shed for us. It's through Christ's body, through Christ's blood we have life and we have it to the fullest. The true meaning of life. The greatest joy in all the earth. Thank you, King Jesus. And so Lord Jesus, as we sing and as we respond, as we celebrate you, move mountains do it again and again and again for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray. Amen.